Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Thank you, thank you so much. Well, uh, thank you, thank you so much. God bless you. And if you're watching online, welcome. It is such a joy for me to be here. I think um, Wayne and Ruth are also watching online. So can we say a big hello to them? Can you shout hallelujah? Yeah. In, in, in India, where we come from, we always shout hallelujah. So, yeah, thank you. And um, thank you so much for the warm welcome, the very generous uh, words. And I'll have to pay you some extra money. And uh, maybe I need to, you need to come and work for us and you can do... Now, thank you so much for all of your amazing, generous partnership over the years. You guys are an incredibly committed, Great Commission church. I think, you know, millions of dollars have been given from you guys to, you know, supporting various works around the world. You just saw a glimpse of, but truly only eternity will reveal the full impact of all that you have been part of. You know, the prayers, the giving, the caring, all that happens here in various countless ways, you guys are part of. And I encourage you as you embrace this weekend as well, as we bring the missions pledge and commitment to a close. If you haven't already uh, thought about it, just be asking, praying, God, what do you want me to be partnering and connecting? How you want me to be engaging even as you listen to these words? I want to just share um, some thoughts about efforts and values. Effort and value. The efforts that we make is connected to the value we placed on them. How many of you agree with that? Yeah? So what is the most valuable thing that you have? You don't need to shout out. You don't need to tell in in case... Jared will come and steal it from you or anything. So just, just, you know, just think about what is the most valuable thing do you have? Now, think, think about why. Why is it so valuable to you? Now I want you to think, you lost that valuable thing. What effort would you make in finding it? Now, for us, um, when our second child was born, I had the responsibility to take care of the first one, only just for a few days. And I didn't know what to do, so we th- I thought it'd be a great idea to go to Knox Shopping Center to spend some time. So I went there and walking around with uh, Jemima, the little girl, And I went into a bookstore and I got carried away by just reading the books. And then I turned around and looked and I just could not find her anywhere. I was more worried about my wife than the child. You know, what is she going to do to me and how am I going to explain this? But I can still feel the awful, the awful, horrible, sinking, deep feeling of just total confusion and just all kinds of emotions flowing through the brains at that time. Thankfully, as some of you know, she was found. 
Um, we don't know whether thankful or not, but um, she was found. No, we are very thankful. But it just gave me a glimpse of what was valuable and what I would do to find, but also the feeling that goes with the lostness of something that's precious. Now, I want you to think, how many of you are attracted to finding a bargain? Yes? Okay, great. Some of you are. And the bargain always ends with a 99 cents, right? I don't know why it is, but always the bargain ends with the 99 cents. Now, let's say something was $9.99 and you paid $10. How many of you would fight to get your one cent back? In fact, I actually wanted to get a one cent coin for all of you to remember this message We couldn't get them. I contacted every bank. They said, no, we don't carry them anymore. But it is still a legal tender, but it has no value. How how crazy it is. And um, obviously, COVID has taught us the value of different things, especially toilet paper, right? (laughs) I mean, toilet paper had almost no value, but now it's become a very precious commodity. Now... In terms of the value of certain things, I started to search, you know, to find out, just to help us understand processing this. Um, how many of you go through rubbish? Anybody looking for anything? No. Well, let me tell you, somebody in Philippines found a unique pearl in the rubbish tips that was worth over a hundred million dollars. Now some of you are thinking you need to go through, especially then the rich neighborhood, you may need to do that. Over lockdown, I actually, you know, I was so bored being stuck. I started a little hobby of finding things in hard rubbish piles, cleaning them up and selling them. You'll find the first thing that I found was this um, wine rack. And I bribed, I won't say which child, to clean it all up and put it up. And guess what? In 24 hours, it was gone for $80. And that really got me sucked in for the next 18 months. It was my hobby, finding things in hard rubbish and cleaning and selling. And I'm here to tell you, honestly, I made thousands and thousands of dollars from rubbish. Things that people didn't find any value in, they were thrown out. I found value in it. Because there were some crazy people searching for things online to buy. (laughs) I don't know what is the most you would pay for a horse. Well, the most expensive horse was sold in 2000. So in today's value, it was sold for 91 million US dollars. Which is a, a lot, right? Now, how many of you love dogs? I love dogs. Okay, how many of you love dogs? How much would you be prepared to pay? The most you'd be prepared to pay the dog. Well, in China, somebody paid a whopping two million US dollars for a puppy. Uh, it was a golden-haired Tibetan mastiff. Okay. Now, what is the net painting? How many of you have paintings in your homes? Yes. Well, the most expensive painting was sold for 450 million US dollars for a painting which could go up in puffs in a, in a, in a, in a fire. 
how many of you love cars? Okay, confession time, come on. The Lord's watching your hands and your heart. Okay, the most expensive car was sold for $142 million. That's an expensive car. The most expensive dress was sold for nearly $5 million US dollars. Just an evening dress. Now, we're thinking, oh, that's all just stuff, you know. Well, we care about people, right? Because we are good Christians. And um, so we care about people. Let's come to the people bit. Well, what is the value of a human being? Well, in the world system, not all humans have the same value. That's the reality. If you've ever been kidnapped, you will know that. The reason you haven't been kidnapped is because you're not worth that much. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're a visitor... If you're a visitor, let me just say, I'm not the pastor of this church. There are nicer people. Please come back. They will speak nicer to you. See, the ransom that is demanded for you depends on your worth and values. And during slavery, which is a terrible, evil thing that happened, not just in history, that still happens in many parts of the world, And during slavery, it's interesting, a human value was determined by the age between 80 to 30 was the peak of their value. Everybody who is less and over, put your hands up. You are not, no, 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 you're not. (laughs) The, The highest value of a peak slave within that period was in today's dollars was 60,000 US dollars. It was determined by their size and strength and and their their productivity and the the life expectancy. And for women, it was also, was factored their child birthing, um, you know, fruitfulness. Because if they are going to birth more slaves, they are worth money. So that's how the value was considered. Now, in, in today's black market of human parts which sounds terrible, right? But the reality is there is an incredible black market is operating out there where you can buy any human parts that you need. It's interesting. A kidney in the U.S. is valued 260,000 U.S. dollars. The same kidney is valued 62,000 in China. But the same kidney in India, mine is only worth 15,000, okay? So we Indians are cheap. <laughs> the in, so, so basically the value depends on where you are, where, you know, the proximity or the location of the country that you are in. The insurance company did an assessment of their valuation. Here it is. If you're a person with an earning capacity of a million dollars in a year and there is 30 years in front of you, you are valued at $4 million. That's your insured value. How does the government estimate their value? After 9-11, the U.S. government decided to compensate the victims. And they came up with a formula. The highest was for the family of the deceased banker. So if you're a deceased, if you're a banker, they estimated your value to be $5.5 million. But if you were a cleaner, your value was $197,000. Okay, that's, that's how the U.S. government estimated the value. 
based on their compensation. Now, there is another data genetic, it's a business group. They actually analyzed if we just simply got our bodies together and and and, and then calculated all the ingredients, the matters that it forms our body, what is it worth? You'll see on the screen a full, this is what you are made of. All the ingredients are there. And it gives you the, 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 you know, the weight and the price of those things. If you combine all of these things together, guess how much you're worth? If we just got you down, not we're not going to burn you down or boil you down, but took all the bits out... In the material values like water and hydrogen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, potassium, all kinds of stuff together. The market value today is $160. Yeah, turn to the person next to you and say, that's what you're worth. As long as they are not your husband or wife, okay. Yeah, yeah, and somebody says, yeah, I always knew that. Okay, now... Now, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. God's word says to us, Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. So where is your heart today? What is, the, what is the treasure that you have? What is the most valuable thing that you have? That's where your heart is this morning. Now, when we come to the scriptures again, we need to ask, where is God's heart? Right? Where is God's heart? I mean, here is God who created the whole universe Who created all the stuff that we love and long to have? He can choose to have anything he wants, right? He owns it all. From the most expensive diamonds or jewelries or precious stones or the the, the views or animals, whatever. He can choose to have anything he wants. And out of all the choices... That he has in the world to make it treasure. What does he chooses? He chooses you. He chooses me. He chooses us human being. He chooses people. That is the most treasured thing for God. So where is God's heart? In You, in me, in us. His heart is in people. While people are looking and putting their heart in things, God puts his heart in us. Because we are so treasured by him. If you ever felt like you are not worth it, and the devil has been continuously lying to you, I'm here to declare to you that you are valuable, you are worth it, because God has His heart in you. Because you are His treasure. The Bible says you are the apple of His eye. He loves you. How do we know? 
In John 3.16, he says that God so loved you. God so loved us. God so loved all the humans of the world that he gave his only begotten son. You will do anything to find that which is valuable to you, right? Yes. That's why God gave the most precious Think that he had his only son because you are valuable to him. People are valuable to him. How do we know this? The best is explained in Luke chapter 15. How many of you have heard the message preached from Luke chapter 15? Come on. Yes, it's okay. How many of you never heard a message from Luke chapter 15? Okay, the lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost... Son, right? You all heard it. Now, here is a couple of things. The lost sheep is one out of hundred. Right? It's okay to talk while I, because I'm Indian. Otherwise, I, you know, I don't feel at home. I'm so used to noise around, you know. Like, so it's okay. You can make noise. Just don't do when Ruth is speaking. You know, she will get mad at you. You know, so, so lost sheep is one out of? Which is what percentage? One percent is lost. Is it worth anything? One percent? You can afford to lose one percent because you still have 99 percent. Correct? Yeah. The lost coin was one out of ten, which is ten percent. Okay, so one percent, now it is 10%. And the father had how many sons? Two sons. And how many was lost? One was lost, which is 50%. So 1%, 10%, 50% is lost. Nothing is 100% lost. So it's not too bad. I mean, if you're invested in cryptocurrencies, you would take 50% loss right now, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I mean it's like, it's like, you know, it's not too bad. I mean, we are not talking about a crisis in Luke chapter 15. This is not, nothing is 100% lost. One is, the shepherd still has 99%. The lady still has 90%. The father still has 50%. Yet, it is a crisis to God. God doesn't want anyone to be perished. Second Peter so clearly says to us, the desire of God is that none should perish. How many should perish? None should perish. But all must come to know Him. All must come to know Him. That's why we're not waiting for 100% loss for a crisis to emerge. We are not waiting for 100% loss to do something about it, even losing 50% is bad enough. Losing 10% is bad enough. Losing 1% is bad enough. Now, why does he actually say this parable? We need to look at the context, the background. is really interesting. Why did he tell this story? Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says... It is actually, he just didn't make it up for no reason. 
It actually was a response to a question. The Pharisees, the tax collector, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were trying to, to catch Jesus. And they found one thing that was wrong with Jesus. He says, now, the tax collectors and the sinners are all gathering around Jesus. And in verse 2, it says that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man who claims to be the rabbi, who claims to be the Messiah, who claims to be the son of God, is wasting his valuable, precious time with sinners and Tax collectors. As if tax collectors are not sinners. (laughs) If you work for ATO department, let me just say, mm -mm, okay. (laughs) The the sinners. Now, here is what you need to understand. In those days, sinners were better than tax collectors. Tax collectors were the scum of the earth because their corruption was so bad. That they would come and demand whatever they needed, not what you owed. And you had no choice except to pay it. So these people were so feared. And so they were even below the sinners. So Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, he should be spending time in the temple. According to them, he should be spending time in the temple. He has all the source of knowledge. He should be explaining the mysteries of God's word to God's people. But he should not be wasting his time with such people. That was the allegation that was made against Jesus. So the parable is a response to that. What was these Pharisees and the teachers of the law implying? They were saying, these people are not worth your time. They don't have enough value. You should not be, you only have so much time. You are so busy. You should be spending time in the temple with us. More valuable people more prestigious people. Don't worry about them. And unfortunately, this is exactly what the devil has done to the church. Now, I'm not speaking to the resound people because you guys are nothing like that at all. But I'm talking about the wider church. Here is, friends, we need to understand. We have been given one simple mission. How many mission? One simple mission. How long we, the church, been on this earth? 2,000 years. After 2,000 years, we still have not fulfilled that one mission. Today, did you know that Coca-Cola and McDonald's have done a better job of their mission than the church in the world? Today, in a brand recognition, Jesus is number third. And we've had 2,000 years while they've had 100 years. They have outdone, outperformed the church by 1,900 years. What do they have that we don't have? Our 
our priority, our focus, our value. We are so happy to have Jesus come to church, sit with us, Jesus, teach us the mysteries of the world. We leave this church because their worship is not so good. Their teaching is not so good. We come to here, we come and pat me, encourage me, pray for me, heal me, visit me, comfort me, and I will come and tithe to you. I'm not speaking to you guys. I'm just speaking to those that are out there, you know. So, But we, the church, have been doing what the Pharisees and the Sadducees have been doing and wanting Jesus to do. Yet we need to understand, friends, Jesus is here not to entertain the church. He is here looking for that 1%, 10%, 50%. It doesn't matter. That's why he told the story. Even if there is only one sheep that is lost, wouldn't a good shepherd leave the 99 go looking for that one? It doesn't mean there is no value or worth in the 99. Oh, you say, oh, well, I'm offended now. Well, I, I thought I gave my life to Jesus and now he's, he's, he's going after the other one and left me home. Let me ask you this question. How many of you got kids? How many of you have got more than one kid? Okay, one of your child gets sick. Really, really sick. Seriously sick. What do you do? Who do you pay your attention to? Does that mean that you don't love the other child? The other child is crying. What do you say? Come on, somebody is honest and truthful. We got one honest parent here. What do you say? Aussie style. Suck it up, buddy. Yeah. It's not that you love that child any less. But... The present situation demand you to reprioritize. You love them both equally, but your priority changes based on the situation. Hello? Friends, we need to understand the church's priority needs to change based on the situation. And the situation is we are found and there are people out there who are lost. And we cannot be sitting and sulking and crying and screaming and having pity parties, seeking attention. It is time for us to reprioritize and say, Jesus, good shepherd, let me come with you and help you look for that one. It is for us to join him in the mission rather than demanding him to come back and sit with you, holding your hands and patting you. No, that time and that day is coming forever and ever and ever. We will be with him and he will pat you. He will encourage you. In fact, it says there is no more tears, no more cries, no more pains, no more sufferings. He will be there just for us for all of eternity. But right now, we need to be with him where he is so Searching for the lost. That is where his heart is. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is your priority? The significance of lostness is explained in this story. But the significance of found is also explained in these stories. And the significance of the joy is explained in this story. This is not just a story of lostness. It is the story of foundness. 
It's the story of joyfulness. Friends, the magnitude of the joy is connected to the value you place on it. You know, you just, you found a, how many of you would get so excited because you found one dollar? Come on, be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Chakos do because we're so frugal, like, you know. (laughs) But how many of you get so excited finding $10? Okay. How many get so excited finding $100? How many of you were so excited if you found $100,000? Well, still some of you are not moving. Okay, well, how about you find a million dollars? Yeah, now, how, how do you grade your celebration and the joy along the way? One dollar, ten dollar, hundred? Where is it? Yeah, why? Because our joy is connected to what we value. Now, question. How much joy do you get when you are with Sinners, tax collectors. Or is it a drag? Is it like, oh no. I, I prefer you resound people. You smell so nice. You speak such a beautiful language. You dress so nice. You're my tribe. You're my kind. It's easy for us to hang around with the like-minded. Because we get joy, right? But Jesus has more joy spending with them. It's not a drag. It's not a pain. How many of you would like to be like Jesus? The scripture commands us to be like Jesus. To be imitators of Jesus. Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you have sinners as your friends? If you don't have sinners as your friend, I'm here to tell you, you are not like Jesus. I I said, not sinning, but being with sinners. Being with sinners, not sinning, but being with sinners. Everyone who is striving to be like Jesus ought to make an effort to be with, become friends with sinners and even tax collectors. Jesus and Samaritans, the beggars, you know, the, the woman with the blood, of the, the bleeding issue, un, unclean. You know, according to the religious Samaritans, unclean. The man that was been with the pigs and living in cemeteries. All kinds of value, worthless people of the culture were Jesus' friends. And I want to encourage you to make a commitment to have Lost people as your friends. It's easy to give. Yes, we're going to ask you to give in a minute. But it is easy to give. But let me say, giving here to change over there doesn't transform your neighbor. It'll take you loving your neighbor to transform your neighbor. Now, we always talk about tithe, right? Uh, But we reduce it into the context of Income. I want to challenge today. Why don't we tithe our relationships in the context of lost people? 
Generally, sociologists say every human being is capable of maintaining 100 meaningful relationships. That's the, that's the psychologist uh, experts say. You can, you can maintain and build 100 effective relationships. Now, if you have 100, can you be intentional that you have 10 non-believers in that group? And then... Every year, let's believe, let's work towards seeing 10% of them discover Jesus. Can we? Oh, you faithless people. Can we believe? But it starts with you expanding your heart and placing your treasure in the lost people and saying, God, that matters to me because that matters to you. And I'm going to adopt them. I'm going to embrace them. Not to smash them with guilt, but to smother them with love. To pour God's love all over them. They cannot help themselves ask you, why do you love me so much? Why do you care about me so much? And there is your opening to share Jesus with them. You don't need to figure out the strategy or what's the 10 point, 12 point. Forget about all this evangelism, one-on-one, this, that, everything else. Just prioritize the lost and love on them. And as the opportunity emerges, share the word with them. Pray for them. Can we resound church? At least start with 10%. Of our relationship. It's going to be intentional. Intentional. Close relationship. Over the next 12 months. We're going to work on it. And we're going to believe. That Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Will reveal themselves to them. And we're going to give. Oh everybody went quiet. When you talked about giving. And we're going to give. It's all. It's not just. Just because you're going to do that. You're not exempted by this. No, we're going to do, yes, we're going to do that. And we're going to give. And we're going to give generously. And we're going to give sacrificially. So that people here to the ends of the earth can experience the love of Jesus. Like you heard, that you've seen. We can. And friends, as we collectively do, guess what? The joy that we will experience, not only here, at the last day. You know what it says in Revelation? In Revelation chapter, uh, in, in Revelation chapter seven, it says, "People from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation, that no one can count coming together, shouting." That's the dream that God has. So this Luke fifteen is an expression of the deep desire that God has that none should perish. And as we obey, as we reprioritize, we will see the Revelation chapter being fulfilled. And then we will see in Revelation chapter 19, the great feast. The feast is not just in Luke 15. The celebration, the joy is not just in Luke 15. It is in Revelation 19. The end, that's where it's going to be. And we will be at the table with all of them. But it starts with us reprioritizing. We are all busy people. Is there anybody who's not busy? But how do we how do we decide what we do and what we don't do? 
is based on the priority we place. And the priority is based on the value we place on it. Today, I want you to reorganize your value and your priority. So you're going to pray more intentionally for the lost people. You're going to build intentional relationship with the lost people. And you're going to pour them with God's love. And you're going to give generously, give sacrificially. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads. Would you listen to the Holy Spirit? What is He saying to you? What area is He challenging you? What adjustments do you need to make? What alignments do you need to make in your values? The word that you place on things or people? Your priority? Your intentionality? Your prayer life? Your giving habits? Your spending habits? Let's bring it to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Let's be like Jesus. Father, I ask you to pour your Spirit upon us that we may have the same heart as Jesus did. We'll have the same priority the same value, the worth that He has. Be gracious to us as we become more like your Son, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.